documented 25 seconds. 20 seconds and counting. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. 12, 11, 10, 9. Ignition sequence start. 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. 32 minutes past the hour. As Apollo 11 does its roll program, this podcast now does its roll program. The tape is rolling. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. My name is Grant Cameron, and you're listening to the Paranormal UFO Consciousness Podcast. Thank you for taking time from your life to be here. So let me... Let me... Welcome to the Paranormal UFO Consciousness Podcast. This is Grant Cameron, and once again, I have uh, my good friend Preston Dennett with me, and he's knocking my socks off here. I mean, at Preston, I'm absolutely amazed at the research you do. It's just incredible. Like we were just talking about um, schoolyard cases. I knew a couple. You had a hundred, and I mean, I've been in this for 46 years. I thought I knew everything about everything, and you've just proved that, man. I I totally missed the boat. And this, the case I want to talk to you about now is one that Jacques Vallée, actually, we did an interview with Jacques Vallée, and he actually brought your name up. And he was very impressed with the research that you had done on healing stuff. And once again, I had a couple of cases. Like I had the case with Chris Bledsoe, where um, Chris was healed of Crohn's disease, chronic Crohn's disease, which is incurable. And then he had this incident with me and him with the dog where this dog starts blood shooting out the dog's neck and Chris puts his hand on it and the dog is suddenly it's the blood stops and all this kind of stuff, just really weird um, sort of things. And then I knew that I had had my download experience, which happened in 2012, where it basically told me this is all I could do with consciousness. This is the answer to the whole thing. It was came like I was talking to God. It was absolute certainty that this is how it worked. And the week later, after that, Ray Hernandez's dog was healed. And Ray Hernandez got involved with me. And then I told Ray, he, he had this experience with consciousness. And then I said, Ray, I'm going to be lecturing in Florida. Why don't you come? And because he was all flustered. He was reading books and he couldn't figure out what this consciousness thing was and whatever. And then he, we have this meeting and I have a lecture on consciousness. And two days later, he gets pulled out of body out of his car and he gets shown this vision which became the contact modality vision where he starts the free foundation. So you see all these connections, but again, I mean, I had these healing things that I knew these healing things were taking place, but then suddenly you come up and you've written a book on it. And then apparently you've got a lot more cases. So basically tell me what the book's called and uh, basically a summation of the book. And then how many cases have you gotten since then? Because I think this is pretty, pretty common from, from what I'm understanding. Yeah, it's a lot more common than I thought. It was actually the first book I ever wrote was the UFO healings, 100 cases, but kept getting cases over and over. I'm like, gosh, you know, people kept asking me to write another book because it had gone out of print. And so I put together this new one, Healing Power of UFOs, which has 300 cases from pretty much every major researcher has these. Uh, It's not a lot of talk about it, but I can tell you Bud Hopkins has cases. I cornered him. 
We know David right? Jacobs does. Yeah. Well, tell me about the tell me about those because that's that's where the big controversy is. Is that people will say, you know, like what you're seeing right now with this disclosure thing in Washington, you know, it's a threat. It's a potential threat. I mean, they're in our airspace, and it's this evil, evil, evil. The bad. There is this is up to no good. We need some money. We need billions of dollars to fight these guys off. And yet yours is coming exactly opposite. And what a lot of people will bring up when you say, come on, this is like crazy stuff. And they go, no, no. What about Bud Hopkins and David Jacobs? So describe the cases that that they had. And, and I guess what people would say is, well, they got to keep the it's like cattle. They got to keep the cattle, uh, you know, um, uh, safe right. and healthy <laughs> until they, they butcher them or that, that kind of idea. But what did what did Hopkins and Jacobs tell you about their healing cases? I and mean, how did they explain oh. it? Yeah, Bud Hopkins was puzzled by it, he said. I cornered him at a convention and I asked him, you know, have you received cases like this? He says, oh, yeah, yeah, we do. Uh, and I don't know what to make of it because he has some contactees that he's worked with who aren't being healed and others who are. So it's a little bit hard to make sense of some of this. Uh, and he never wrote personally that I could find about any of his own cases, but he did admit he had them. And David Jacobs has written about cases. I mean, he has a case, Alice Haggerty, who was healed of diphtheria. Why? Why would they heal a young girl of diphtheria? And pneumonia and a wide variety of illnesses. Uh, he takes a somewhat dim view of the whole phenomena in terms of, you know, is this good for us or not? Whereas John Max, like, no, I think it's pretty good for us. And uh, initially I thought it was not very common. I was getting my own cases. That's how I got involved in this. I had a lady who was healed of a tumor uh, and the doctors were puzzled, <laughs> boy, because they could tell she had had surgery and accused her of having surgery right before she went to have the tumor removed. She's like, no, no, I didn't. <laughs> she didn't want to tell them what happened. Uh, but Edith Fiore, you remember her? Uh, Edith Fiore, PhD. She's the first person to, with a PhD to write about abductions. She said fully half of her clients had had a healing experience. Wow. And she listed a bunch of them. A guy was cured of angioma a malformation of the blood vessels of the brain. Another was cured of a head wound. Another was cured of cancer, uh, yeast infections. You name it, it's across the board. Uh, the Free Foundation with Ray Hernandez found about 50%. Yeah. And, I, and I went through their files because you know I uh, wrote a chapter for their book and I'm going to lower it down to maybe 40 or 30% just judging from the actual case studies. Uh, but it's definitely a consistent um, feature of close contact. And what I found is people who are having contact within their families, you know, how it follows generational lines, that definitely increases your chances of having a healing and would point towards them. Like, yeah, what Jacob says, main equipment maintenance, maintaining their patients so they can have babies for them or what have you. But I found another pattern which really, really intrigued me. And it took me a while to find it because it's evenly divided between men and women. It's all across the world. Cases stretch back over 100 years. It occurs to very young children, elderly people as well. But I, I think like John Hunter Gray, um, you may have heard of him. He's a social worker who was healed. Uh, started to get a lot of social workers. I'm like, huh. And I was looking at Jacques Vallée's famous case of Dr. X. 
um, the guy from the Pyrenees in France who was healed of an ax wound and partial paralysis. He's a doctor. I'm like, well, I have a lot of doctors too. So I started looking at profession, the person's job. And that's when I got a kind of a shock. A lot of these people uh, who are being healed are people who are doing good work for humanity in some capacity. A lot of people are being contacted. And by that, I would mean social workers, doctors, teachers, police officers, inventors. There was an inventor from England who was healed and they told him flat out, we are interested in your work in electronics. They healed him of a hole in his heart. Uh, so that is definitely a pattern. It's not super strong, but it keeps turning up. I interviewed a lady from Norway, has no history of encounters. Grays come into her room, flip her on like a rag doll. She said it was pretty frightening actually because they wouldn't answer any questions. They were just flipped around her stomach, pressed something against her back and walked out. And she woke up, ran to the window. They were already taking off and she was really puzzled until she suddenly her back, she had injured her back pretty severely and they healed it. I've got 10 cases of you know back pain, which is healed. And so, so I said, what do you do for a living? She says, well, I'm a retired graphic artist, but I'm very, act please don't use my name because I'm very active in the animal rights movement in my country, animal and human rights. I'm like, I bet you are. Yeah. This I think is very encouraging. You know, not only are the ETs physically healing people, they are healing people who are trying to help others. Mm -hmm. So I, this is why I am not thinking that this is a hostile phenomenon. I think this is good for humanity. Yeah. Um, I, ha I have a friend here and, and cause people will say, well, why don't they keep them healed all the time? But you have like Ray Hernandez's dog. Well, it was healed, but then it was 16 years old and Ray actually put the dog down. So eventually you've got to die. Cause the, the one guy I mentioned to you that had just died of COVID here, the guy had his shirt inside him backwards. He had a, an experience where they cut a Y in the top of his forehead. He woke up in the middle of the night and his blood was all over his hands. And he goes, what the heck? And he's looking at, and he went to the doctor and, and he told the doctor about it, but he didn't, he never got it stitched up. And um, he said, why would they do this to me? And I said, well, maybe they're trying to get your attention and you didn't pay attention. And so they wanted to get your attention. And, and he sort of accepted it, but he didn't accept it, whatever. And then he had a tumor. He had a lymph node tumor on his neck had the huge swelling on his neck later oh, on. Jim and Schaefer, I know. Schaefer, yeah. yeah. And that's when he went to the, the uh, he, it happened on the su Sunday morning and he went to the oncologist. They're going to do the operation on the Tuesday, whatever. And the oncologist said, what happened? And he said, I think it went away. And the oncologist said, it doesn't just go away. He said, yeah, I think it went away Sunday morning. And then, and then he, the, 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 he didn't tell the oncologist what had happened, but he went back to the doctor because he told the doctor. And, the, and then he had the, the video of that, the ball that came into him. The, the, the yep, board. I saw it. And, yep. and, the, and the, the doctor kept making him want to play the tape again. Play it again. Play it again. Because <laughs> he knew the story about the cut in the forehead. So you get that, but then he ended up dying of COVID. So it's not like they're going to keep you alive forever. I mean, there is a time, you know, they, you know, they, they need you or they, they, they're doing this dramatic, again, it's like the theory of, wow, they do it. It's like, just, wow. But eventually people will, you know, eventually die of something else. It's not like they're going to keep you alive forever. So, and then the other thing, maybe you can talk about, have you found this pattern? Uh, I think the free foundation, Ray always had the joke. He said, if I had, a, if I had a, a dollar for every, a uh, person who'd had non-human intelligence contact, 
who did Recce healing, I'd be, a, I'd be a rich guy about this idea that a lot of uh, people who've been on board the ship or have had encounters can actually, they claim they can heal other people. Have you found that? I think the figure he said was 50% as well. Yeah, it's very high. I'd say it's uh, almost a regular feature. When someone's taken on board, they're, they're physically examined, sometimes healed, and uh, they're taken to the engine room, shown how the craft works. They're given warnings, you know, about nuclear proliferation, pollution, our warlike ways. Uh, they're warned about the use of fossil fuels. These are all very encouraging, positive things. And one of the things that people often experience who have extensive contact is being given information of a spiritual or psychic nature. People come away from their experiences profoundly psychic. Uh, they start having out-of-body experiences. They start having precognition, past life recall, up and down the spectrum. And healing is a huge, huge part of this. I see it over and over again. I put a whole chapter in the book because of this. Over and over again, people come away from their experiences feeling like they can do Reiki or hands-on healing or they become doctors. Uh, this is a very, very prominent pattern for sure. Now, have you looked at the connection? I, I looked at the connection to uh, near-death experiences. If you probably know the figure of the free survey that 37% of all people experiences, whatever we want to call them, have had a, a near-death experience. And I remember Ray was saying, well, you got to figure this out. And I said, well, you, you're assuming that it's random. Maybe it's not random. Maybe you, you agreed to be have contact and you agreed to have a near-death experience. Then maybe it's not a random event because we're trying to figure out it's eight times the national average. But with the pattern I found, I don't know if you looked at this, was if you look at near-death experiences, you see the same pattern. I think it's 70% of all people who've had near-death experience claim they can do healing. And the, with the uh, people who've uh, had contact, 40% say at one point during their experience, they knew the answer to everything in the universe. Near-death experience is 31% say during the near-death experience, they knew the answer to everything in the universe. And you see these, these correlations that are almost directly this. And then you start wondering, well, are they having a near-death experience or are they having a, you know, a, a contact experience or even the idea where you get, um, uh, I don't know if you ever talked to Ron Johnson, he was healed his back. Uh, he's had contact since he was in the 60s. He cataloged everything and he's now got very uh, advanced heart failure. And I've told him, come on, you got to get your book finished. You got to, because he, he documented everything. And he talked about the, the parallels between sort of the spirit world and his encounter was the fact that he was taken into the, into the spirit world. He was healed. He was taken into the spirit world with his dead mother and then he goes inside this building in the spirit world. It's like a temple thing where he said, he's, his mother said, you're going to get a, a room in this building when you die. And he said, it's like, I go inside and it's like 10, 100 times the size inside as it is outside. And I went, that's exactly what the UFO people say. Terry Lovelace, Chris Bledsoe, that it's, you know, it's the size of a football field inside and it's just 30 feet on the outside. So do you, do you see these patterns with, uh, with near-death experience people, these parallels and near-death experience people, it's the same thing. You know, they can't wear watches. They got paranormal stuff happening. They're precognitive. And, and then you start seeing this parallel and you wonder like, what's really going on here? Yeah, yeah, the contact modalities. I think people take different pathways to becoming enlightened and uh, or woken up to our own spiritual abilities and a near-death experience certainly does that kind of predicted it because i was studying near-death experiences early on with raymond you know raymond moody's work mm -hmm. 
And I'm like, gosh, you know, these people should be becoming profoundly psychic after this because of dissociation experiences caused this. And uh, research started coming out with Melvin Morris about this. And uh, yeah, there are definite parallels between near-death experiences and a UFO encounter. It's very much, being taken on board a UFO is very much like being pulled to the other side uh, and going into a different dimension. And it wakes you up profoundly. Mm -hmm. Uh, In my own case, you know, I got involved in 1986 in UFO research. Started having out-of-body experiences, same exact time. And I mean, I got really into it. This is the subject of one of my books. I've gotten pretty good at it. I'm going to put out another book on it. I just spoke about this recently at UFO Megacon. Um, my, my own out-of-body experiences. So I'm like, wow, you know, this is actually happening to me. So I totally get it. I still think you know, near-death experiences is a separate phenomena uh, from the UFO you know, onboard experience. Uh, but they have very strong parallels. And it's another, I think what happens is when someone has a near-death experience, it wakes them up. It makes them profoundly psychic. ETs love people who are psychic. They yeah. do. And if you have a UFO experience, that also wakes you up. It's the same. Yeah, it's like just what you said. That's one of the main ET agendas is to wake us up so we can stop killing each other. <laughs> it, they're all about trying to uh, awaken us to knowing that we are immortal beings and that we have autonomy and we have psychic ability, telepathy, and waking us up to the fact that we are all one. Beautiful, beautifully said. You had your experience. Did you find that that you started to have the psychic stuff, the out of body that came after your sighting? And do you think it's it's sort of linked together, or how did you learn to do out of body experience? Uh, it came at the same time. It's very strange for me. It's sort of I got involved in this field in 1986 when I found out my family and friends and coworkers were having experiences, and I just started really digging in because I was shocked. Mm-hmm. Uh, that they hadn't told me that it wasn't being taught in schools, that all this was going on right under my nose, and I had no idea. Uh, but in 1984, my mom passed away, tragically, at age 49 of a heart attack. And I saw her spirit at the service. And I thought, well, I've lost my mind. You know, there's an apparition of her, and I'm clearly hallucinating. Now I'm not so sure. Yeah. Uh, but I started having really powerful, lucid dreams of her coming to my room. That got me interested in dreams, which made me pick up a book by Robert Monroe, the out-of-body guy, uh, and he had exercises on how to do it. So I thought I'd give it a try. So while I'm digging into UFOs, I'm also (laughs) meditating at night and trying to do out-of-body experiences, and it wasn't hard. It was not hard to do, Uh, and it was all kinds of fun. So I kept pretty quiet about it, but yeah, I got really good at it. So what, what, what books have you written on out-of-body experiences? Name the, the books you've done. You've done a couple, right? Uh, I've done, it's my only autobiographical book, actually. Just one, Out-of-Body Exploring, A Beginner's Approach. Uh, but it leads all the way up to, you know, some pretty high-level stuff. You can go and meet your deceased loved ones. You can go to the Akashic Library, meet spirit guides, learn about past lives. And the stuff you can do is mm, off the charts. 
And you've used this, like, so what have, what have you been able to achieve? Like when you go out, what, what is your objective when you're, when you leave? Uh, for me, initially, it was to see if there was, in fact, life yeah. after death. I wanted to see my mom because yeah. uh, I was a materialist. Yeah. And when she, when she passed away, it was beyond devastating. It was, you know, very, very hard to deal with. So that was really my initial goal. And I did it. And uh, she took me on a tour many times now. I still see her regularly. Anyone who's passed away within my circle, I go and visit them. And, so she uh, took you on a tour. Talk about that because Ron Johnson talks about that as well, where, his, where the being, Elby, the, the alien actually takes him into the spirit world with his, and he meets his mother and she takes him for a tour. So tell me about that story. Like, what do you mean by a tour? Oh, it's awesome. I mean, it's the most amazing thing. You know, you, you go out of body and you can explore your house yeah. and, you know, fly around the world and stuff. But at some point you're going to be pulled to the other side. I would always call for Elby, like, mom, 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 when I was, you know, yeah. managed to get out of body. It's a very delicate state. You can fall back into a dream pretty quickly, but yeah. uh, you learn how to maintain it. And uh, yeah, she appeared, took me, and boom. You know, I'm not a religious guy, uh, but I'll call it the heavenly realms because <laughs> that's what it looks like. It's very beautiful, uh, very pastoral. I've been to lower realms, which are very much like earth, dark and shadowy and full of anger and greed and pain and yeah. whatnot. Our, I would call them the hellish realms, honestly. It's very much like Earth on a bad day. Yeah. Uh, but she took me to this higher astral plane, I guess you would call it, which is gorgeous. I mean, it's beautiful. It's like a summer morning. The air sparkles. The green is beyond green. The flowers. Every, you don't see shadows there. Everything glows with an inner light. Very... Lots of vitality, lots of energy, lots of love permeating everything. You could not be in a bad mood if you tried. Wow. And uh, she just took me around. We talked. She took me to a higher plane where there was lots of crystals and stuff. And, uh, crystals explain that. You see, you sound like you're, it sounds like Ron Johnson's story. So what's with the crystals? Yeah, it was weird. She, she, she says, you haven't seen anything yet. Watch this. And took me to a higher level, uh, which was amazing uh we popped out into this other you know it's hard to describe there's not a lot of words and terminology for this but it was another place another realm another area where it was a crystal plane just a flat field but filled filled with like quartz crystals big small all the way down to little sand okay and very glowing very bright extremely high energy very healing and uh, she was just showing me around your your vision changes you can see 360 degrees you can wow. zoom in on objects miles away uh she she pointed down to the ground and said watch this and she turned it bright orange I'm like wow that's a cool trick mom she's like eat it I put it in your mouth and eat it i'm like what just go ahead and so i scooped some up and put it in my mouth and it started popping like that Pop Rocks candy. I don't yeah, know if you've yeah. ever had that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But tasted super orange. I mean, oh my God. <laughs> but you can do all this stuff on the other side that would just blow people away. You can create whatever you want, fulfill any fantasy, eat feasts of food. Um, I mean, anything you want to do, you can do. And she was just kind of demonstrating that, but took me back to the lower pastoral realms. Well, not lower, the heavenly realms. We sat down on a bench. There's other people there. Uh, 
fascinating just beautiful you know i wanted to stay but this she's like no you have to go she said i love you i love you i love you and this tunnel opened up and sucked me into it and pulled me down back to earth wow have you talked to ron johnson you're telling exactly the story he told me it was like he's told it to me a couple of times in fact every time i interview him i said tell me the story about when you your mother you went for a tour with your mother it's just and what do you see about the connections because I'll, I'll give you a couple of connections that you're mentioning that fit to the the being in the board the ship the 360 degree vision i interviewed the guy from liverpool i don't know if you've seen the interview where he's, i've got all the people who've flown the craft and he describes that he's there and there's about 15 people or whatever he says let me have a go at it and they said okay and he puts his hand on this panel on the wall and he said as soon as he puts his hand on the panel he could see in 360 degrees around him so you describe wow. that and people describe that as well and the other thing you mentioned is something that i actually saw myself is you're talking about the light where if you hear Bigelow talk about Bigelow talks about it, where the light is um, self-contained, where it doesn't come all the way down to the ground or where you're inside a ship or people describe the light is in the next room or you're in you, the lights in your room and the, the door is opened in the next room, but the light doesn't go into the room. Like the light is actually, they're looking around. It's a 500 watt light bulb, but they can't see, they can't see where the light's coming from. It's like the, the air is light. And you're describing that as well. Have you, did you realize those parallels between, because you've done a lot of stories of people being on board the ship, that they have these bizarre parallels about that weird light and this 360 degrees. Those are two things you said that just, this is the same, almost the same story. Yeah, yeah. And I think that there is an interdimensional aspect to a UFO encounter. I still think they're extraterrestrials. I mean, that's yeah. my assessment. Yeah, just based on all the evidence, but they have an understanding of interdimensionality and yeah. can travel there and build their. Yeah, it's when you are taken on board a UFO, it's like moving into the astral planes. And I think it is, in effect, what is happening. Uh, and that would explain how they are able to light things up and all the transformations they can do to their craft. Uh, because you can do that on the other side, you can create an environment. And so when a UFO changes shape or it looks like your living room or um, all, like all these screen memories and stuff and the symbology of it uh, would fit right into the fact that there is an interdimensional aspect of it. But that doesn't preclude them yeah. being extraterrestrial. They yeah. can time travel. There's a weird time travel aspect to the other side, too. You can see the future. You can go into the past yeah. and they can, too. So That's I think they just have a real understanding of Especially that. if you come to the idea that everything is the, the way I was described is the, that was the main download. It was consciousness, like consciousness creates matter. It's the matter is a form of consciousness, a denser form that once you understand what the world's made out of, then you can, you can control these things. And it's just simple physics. And it's not like they're doing anything magical. They, they just understand things we don't understand. We're, we're making a, a lot of bad assumptions about how things work. Yeah. Distance is a really time and distance is a product of the physical plane. And it starts to collapse a little bit, or I guess that would be the best way of putting it. The higher you go, um, in dimensional wise. Did you still try to do the out of body experience thing? Do you still try to practice that and, and learn things through that? And you, you mentioned the Akashic field. So you say, you're, are you able to tap into information? Because you'll hear, I wrote a book called Inspired the Paranormal World of Creativity where I talk about people where they get the inventions, so, you know, everything's in the field and they go and they get the invention and they bring it back and they, they're able to uh, produce it. And so have you, have you done Akashic or tried to get material like in terms of research and have you gotten help 
which would be another question. Have you gotten help <laughs> on your mission where you get stuff where it sort of says, go this way, look down this road or stuff like that. And you sort of get led to what to do next. Oh yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't say yes to all of that. There's an incredible amount of synchronicity in this field that has knocked my socks off at times. Uh, it's yeah, it's incredible how witnesses are led to me or I'm led to certain experiences. And often it seems like it's not something I'm, you know, necessarily controlling. Yeah. It's being put towards me. But yeah, I'm st definitely still very active with the out-of-body stuff. I can't quite do it at will, but I'm darn close. <laughs> and uh, you know, I've tried to move objects and stuff. I can't do that, but I know people who have. I try to appear in front of people as an apparition. Finally did it with a contactee. I uh, wow. couldn't believe it because I've done, you know, I've tr tried this with my family, friends, and other people. They never see me. It's very frustrating. You're a ghost. But finally, I went to this lady's house in Florida and she turns around and looks at me. She's on the phone. She says, I can't talk now. I'm being, <laughs> I'm being robbed. I'm like, oh my God. And I, ca I called her up the next day. I'm like, she's, and uh, just to see if, you know, I'm going crazy or not. She says, I saw you. First thing out of her mouth, she says, I saw you. You came to my house astrally. I'm like, you saw me. She says, yeah, I was on the phone. I was talking to Rob. That's what I told you. I'm like, oh, I thought you said you were being robbed. <laughs> so she saw me. And after that, you know, after I did that to her, she comes to my room and lights the whole room up in golden light and is just standing there staring at me, smiling. I'm like, oh my God, it's yeah. you. And, wow. Uh, I, yeah, I called her up and she says, did you see me? I'm like, yes, I did. <laughs> I sure did. And we've since had out-of-body experiences together. I mean, she took me, honest to God, out of this, away from Earth to the Kuiper Belt. She's really good at it. And uh, was just showing me all this asteroid field. Most beautiful thing you've ever seen. It's just wow. stretching out like, oh, just beautiful. Do you, so, do, yeah. you, do, you, do you ever do any online training and for people how to do this because it sounds fascinating it sounds like you should be you know instructing people to to do this kind of stuff because you seem to have learned something through your your years of doing it have you do you do online classes or just the book uh so far it's pretty much just the book i have done classes i've taught workshops wow um, and i want to get more active into it because there's a whole healing aspect getting back to the ufo healings yeah uh, being taken on board a craft can be a very healing experience for people. And it's the same thing with out-of-body experiences. I've found about 20 cases where people were physically healed of chronic diseases. Multiple sclerosis is one, sarcoidosis, which is a liver disease, sometimes terminal. It wasn't the one guy's case. Healed. Robert Monroe was healed. Uh, People are healed of cuts and bruises, colds, flus, you name it. It's a very healing experience on both sides. UFO near-death experiences as well. I know a lady was cured of cancer, well, lots of people. chronic cancer, had a near-death experience. The cancer was gone. Doctors completely freaked out. Um, Melvin Morse has a number of cases like this. So these are all different things of the same aspect, sort of of the, the universe manifests in different ways. I still think aliens are aliens. <laughs> a Bigfoot is a Bigfoot. You know, you're, a ghost is a ghost, uh, but there are commonalities for sure. 
What's what's your overall worldview if you were to to spell it out? Because again, I go back to this sort of disclosure thing that's coming, where they're building it into you know straight nuts and bolts technology, uh, me versus you, separation, fear, all this kind of stuff. What what would be your your basic overall worldview in terms of uh, where we go, where we're coming from, what's what's actually going on? Uh, yeah, I think we're in a very interesting time on this planet. Uh, the number one ET message has always been you're in for a rough time up ahead. Disaster, disaster. You know, prepare, prepare. Wake up, wake up. Yeah. And I think that's what we're seeing. That There was the whole near-death movement in the 70s and 80s. Uh, Raymond Moody's books, Melvin Moore's, uh, Betty Eadie. Um, all this stuff came at the same time as the UFO phenomena. And uh, all of this stuff, I think, is working in concert together to raise us up to... And this is another thing contactees will say, oh, we're moving to the fifth dimension. We're moving up a vibration. Uh, the world is going to be very different. Uh, so I think that's what we're moving towards. This is a very different world. Uh, I think the ETs are very, very concerned about that, uh, waking us up and what we're doing to our planet. Uh, I'm very interested to see how this all rolls out. I don't think we really need to depend on the government for disclosure. I don't think they're going to do it, not in the way that it needs to be done. The end game, of course, would be show us the craft, show us the bodies, show us everything you've got. And they're not gonna do that. We don't need them to realize what's going on. We know what's going on. It's, I think it's us to, up to us, really, to move this forward, to move ourselves forward, upward, to get people enlightened yeah. and uh, you know, guide our actions with love, truth, and knowledge and realize that we are one and start, you know, and it's up to the people. To, the people are the strongest force on this planet, not the government. And I think ETs are another very strong factor here. Uh, they've been very much laissez-faire, uh, but are influencing people in profound ways without actually taking over. It's us, up to us to solve our problems. We're autonomous beings. Yeah. And I think I'm encouraged. I think we're going to be just fine because mm -hmm. uh, we are progressing. It was a rough, rough world 200, 300 years ago, much worse. Yeah. And look where we are now. So I'm happy. Yeah, we might be up for some rough times, but we're awake enough now to the corruption and the greed and the divisiveness. And I think people have had it. So I am very encouraged for the future of humanity. It's almost like the expression, we are the ones we've been waiting for. Where you, And do you see that as you and I have a role that we may have come into the earth to, to advance things that we, that we aren't, this isn't just random that we doing this, that we have some sort of job that we're, or I even ask people every time they have contact, I would say, you think you got a mission? And they go, yeah, I think so. I don't know what it is, but I think so. <laughs> do you think you have a mission? Do you think you, you're here for a reason to do this? Um, yeah. I mean, it's funny you ask that. Cause I do, I do feel that I feel compelled to uh, talk about this. <laughs> And uh, it's funny, I'm like pushing out books and, you know, sometimes you got to take a break. I mean, this is a lot to deal with. Mm -hmm. Living, breathing UFOs day in, day out yeah, yeah. is a lot. Yeah. And uh, 
if I stop, you know, I'll have a sighting and I'll get a little message like, you know, keep writing. Oh, is write, write, write. <laughs> or I'll put a book out and they'll appear a little, almost like a little celebration. Wow. Um, like there was one time I got a very clear message. They spoke to me full on. I was inter had interviewed this lady and she had telling me all these experiences she had, hybrid babies, abductions, the whole deal. I'm like, God, you know, this was pretty early on, mid early 1990s. I'm like, I wonder if this is real. I'm sure she's telling me the truth, but this is a lot. <laughs> I had a really strong, irresistible impulse to go onto the roof of my condo. And this, I did, I couldn't stop myself. It's, you're not supposed to go up there, by the way. And I don't, I'm a good boy. <laughs> and uh, I go up there, I'm like, what am I doing up here? You know, I'm not supposed to be up here. And uh, this light appears. And it says, hi, we're Wendy's ETs. <laughs> Flat out says this, not in so much English, but yeah. you know, yeah, like yeah. a download. And says, you don't believe? Well, watch this. And starts darting around, <laughs> back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. They came to give me a message. <laughs> like, this lady is telling the truth. We're the ETs. She's not lying to you. Pay attention. Keep your research going. So, and that's not the only time I've had that sort of thing happen. Wow. It's an exciting life though. I mean, in terms of, I always wonder, like, if you didn't have this, what would you do? I mean, could you go back to watching, you know, Monday night football and uh, <laughs> you know, stuff like that? You go like, you watch people and because a lot of times I go to parties and people, you'll see, maybe not so much anymore, but, you know, where someone say, oh, they know you're into UFOs and they talk to you. And then you, five minutes later, you see everybody else sort of moved away to the other side of the room and you're standing by yourself with this person. And then you hear <laughs> them talking and they're talking about somebody who isn't in the room and about, give me something about this, your kid's trouble so I can go at the next party and tell them what's happening here. And it's like the gossip. They're always talking about people who aren't in the room. And then you start to think to yourself like, and you think I got a problem? Like how you could do that? How you could, I just couldn't see myself doing what most people do for, I just feel honored that, that I got to play the game because, and I think you would agree, it's probably the biggest story of all times if you under, actually understand what's going on and the significance of what's actually happening. Yeah, totally agree. This was not something I was looking for. It came at me. Exactly. Uh, but I have cleared a room during a party. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, they'll come up to me and say, well, that's the deepest conversation I've ever had. And <laughs> yeah. I'm like, Really? And uh, yeah, moves moves them away from the gossip and the sports and the religion and the just yeah. banal subjects into something yeah. a little deeper. Yeah. And people are now much more, I mean, it's now coming mainstream and people are very interested in this subject. It is very highly rated on the internet, UFOs. Yeah. It's right up there next to sex. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I think as long as we get the message, the the spiritual message behind it, because a lot of people are still into, you know, you'll talk to them about stuff and they'll go, so do you think they're going to disclose? And it's like, am, am I lips moving? Like, you know, are you not listening to me? You're trying to talk because people always have that impression that when you go to a UFO conference that we're sitting there sharing UFO photographs and talking about stuff. And then usually it always comes down to the concept of God within about half hour into the conversation. People are talking about what's really going on here. And it's very, very deep conversations that people on the outside, I don't think really realize that it has this, 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 this aspect to it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy about it. People are really interested in this now. People are finally beginning to wake up to and move beyond, you know, 
reality TV, <laughs> yeah. which then I love. Be- I mean, it's fun, but uh, yeah. I, I love the deep stuff, the profound stuff. And yeah, I wouldn't that, that's what that's what we're getting into here. That's where, where you start talking and, and, you know, the nature of reality and stuff, because that's what it comes down to. And I feel honored to, you know, be associated with you and other people where you, you feel like you're on some sort of team and you're working on a very important project together and doing what you can. And I, I don't see how I could do without it. Yeah. Just imagine what this world could be if we focused not on hate and war, but on love and progress, yeah. learning and helping each other. And we're there. I think there's an enormous number of really good people on this planet. And once you get to know someone, you, a person will give you whatever you want if you ask, the shirt yeah. off their back. Yeah. All we have to do is get to know each other. And mm-hmm. I think just open up the lines of communication, raise our vibration a little bit, and we're, we're there. I mean, there's a lot of love on this planet right now. Yeah. And uh, even with experiences, I always point out the fact that people are waiting for the government to tell them what's going on and the government isn't going to tell you what's going on. But if you get to know an experiencer and they know that you that you're not going to laugh at them, they'll tell you exactly what they were told. They'll tell you exactly what happened. Yeah. And they're not going to leave anything out. And, and that's the whole deal. That's where people are looking in the wrong direction for the answer. They've got to go to the people who are interacting with the phenomena who will actually tell you what's going on. Exactly. Yeah. They want to talk. And a lot of people are having contact. It's not a little. Yeah. It's a lot. Yeah. Wonderful. Let, let's uh, sort of shut it down here. Let me g- give me your two best healing cases that you um, that you would sort of point out where there's no doubt. Like uh, the one I would always bring up is uh, Bledsoe's um, uh, chronic Crohn's disease, which, you know, he had to sell his company and he's taking 14 prescription drugs a day and stuff like that. Never took another pill. The, the, the day after he, he um, uh, had his experience. So what are your two best cases that you would say that you would point out really significant cases of healing? Oh, that's so hard to pick, um, but there are some really good ones. I think one that really impresses me uh, is not my own personal case, but a lady was cured of Chagas disease. Uh, she was healed. Uh, she was actually, re- uh, a healing was requested and she received it. They've got the doctor's uh, reports verifying it. It's a great case. There are a lot of cases. I think the best evidence is just the huge number of cases. One case that really impresses me was a lady had total kidney failure. Wow. Uh, went, she couldn't urinate for three days, went to the doctor. He was horrified. And uh, he says, we need to take you to the emergency room right away. She says, okay, let me just go home and tell my family. And called her family, called her friends, called the people at work, and ended up passing out on her bed. And next thing she knows, you know, it's the middle of the night, and these short, dark-skinned figures are massaging her abdomen uh, for quite some period of time. She wakes up the next morning, feels great, is able to go to the bathroom, goes to the doctor. He's completely freaking out. He's like, I must have misdiagnosed you. I don't know what to tell you. She told her family, I think angels came. She didn't want to tell them it was ETs. Uh, she wasn't sure herself until three months later, she was pulled on board a craft, rounded walls, a table, the whole deal. They were x-raying her body, sort of showing her organs in full living col- color, showed her her kidneys and says, oh, your kidneys look great. Your, your kidneys are healthy now. And then they showed her her liver and it was covered with dark spots. And they said, look at your liver. Your liver is unhealthy. You need to stop drinking Diet Coke. 
it's damaging your liver. <laughs> so they do give people dietary advice. They've told people to stop smoking, stop eating fatty foods. Uh, yeah, many people have asked for healing and received it. It's not super common, but it does happen. Uh, it's yeah, these healing cases. I, I love there's they show a very positive aspect to all of this. And I think it is one of the main ET agendas, healing humanity. Wow. Re spontaneous remission is quite common in the medical field. And it's often just kind of glossed over and left unexplained. But I think in many cases, this is what's going on. They're healing people and don't even tell them. Yeah. It's not their style to toot their own horn. Yeah. They are just doing their mission to help people where, where and when they can. Yeah, I think you're, I think I agree with you that a lot of times people will just give it a name and make it go away. Oh, it's just spontaneous healing. Well, who's that? You know, like you just, you just gave it a name. You didn't, or, or the idea that you, you're not, you're not explaining anything. You're just describing this happened that you're not explaining what happened. So yeah. I think you're right there in terms of uh, extremely, extremely, I'm just so impressed with your work, Preston. I mean, just so amazed that you're doing this. Final question. What, what are you doing now? What's your next um, stuff that we're, we're going to see coming down the, down the road? What do you see exciting in terms of research? Right. Well, I just put out a new book called Wondrous, 25 True UFO Encounters. So I'm working on that right now. Uh, but I'm working on another book with a fully conscious contactee uh, who has quite a story to tell. Uh, it's really interesting because I've talked to hundreds of people and I get a piece here and a piece there and some are more conscious than others. Some have less fear than others and get more information. But she is filling all the holes and showed me a UF, her UFO. Um, this is the lady who came over and, you know, we're having out of body UFO. What do you mean by that? Um, she's in contact with these ETs and she brought one, brought it down, showed it to me. Okay, okay, okay. I'm not the first contactee to do this. Wow. Uh, but yeah, I'm interviewing her now. I've talked to her for hundreds of hours. Wow. Uh, and uh, I'm now doing recorded interviews with her. Um, I've inter interviewed her for like 10 straight hours <laughs> so far, uh, recorded. Wow. Uh, plan to do another 10 hours at least, plus the hundreds of hours. She's now like my best friend. She's amazing. Wow. Uh, what would be the main message that they, and I, I guess they want her to put the story out because you hear this all the time, or maybe let me ask you, do they tell that? Cause Sherry wild, if you know her story, she was sitting there at the computer and the, the word program is open. It's page three and a half. And she's going, what's my word program doing open? And she sees her story and she's like, no, no, I'm not, I'm not going there. Do you have that thing where people are the, the beings tell them you need to do a book. You need to go talk to Preston. We need this out here. Or Sherry Wilde, they wanted a movie where she's driving down the street and suddenly there's a 3D holographic screen. And she's going, what are you doing? I'm driving. Like, what are you doing? Oh, this is the first scene to your movie where they, they sort of, you get that kind of stuff where, especially this one here, where she's got this incredible story. Do you think this is part of the thing that they want you to put the story out? Yeah, she was specifically led to me. <laughs> that freaked me out because uh, they told her you need to find someone to work with and you'll know it when you find them <laughs> and she was going from researcher researcher and found me and we're like, yep, that's the one. And I had a guy call me from England. The grays came to him and said, you need to talk to Preston Dennett. <laughs> and he's like, who's Preston Dennett? <laughs> I'm like, are you, are you serious? He's like, I'm totally serious. The grays told me to call you. Uh, so yeah, 
often people are told don't talk about it don't talk about it but at some point the they will turn around, the ETs oh. will turn around and say, yes, you need to talk about this. Now is the time. And that's what happened to this lady. They said, yeah, you need to tell your story. You need to find the researcher. You'll know it when you find him. And <laughs> I, I, I've written two books based on messages that people gave. They, I got a message from, Chris Buzz was one. I got a message from the Guardians for you. The message is in the music. And I had no interest in music, no. And I wrote the book on music. And then I did that. And then I did two on the, the Mission Rama thing, which I got the message to do that. And then the last one I got was the beings in, in England. I don't know if you've ever run across these two women that have these beings They're They have no faces. They're black. And and they wanted an interview with me. So they, they want I don't know what they want, but they want to talk to you. And they said, we, we want you to do a book. <laughs> it was like, OK, so when you when you get these messages, I think you would agree is once you've had it happen to you once when someone says, Oh, we got a message for you from the aliens. We want you to do this. You listen very carefully. You go, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I remember the one when when I was with my assistant Desti. We were going across the. I had the first one from Chris Bledsoe, and then the second one, this Antarell, the being that was at Mount Shasta with the Mission Rama people. Desta got on her cell phone, and so I said, "What's what's her message? What exactly is the message? Get exactly what the message is." Because I knew, like, here we go again. It's like <laughs> it's like a mystery world. That that's why I say, like. How could you go back into the old world when you live in this world where it's like it's like magic all the time? It's weird things, and you 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 come to understand that yeah, this stuff's for real. The, you, this is an actual message. Pay attention to this. It's just so weird. Yeah, I love it. I'm that glad you're getting the same thing. I was interviewing this guy one time, and he called me back the next day. He says a UFO landed in my front yard while we were on the phone. His son saw it. <laughs> I'm like, oh, there we go again. They know what we're doing. They are watching. <laughs> I, I'm just, I'm absolutely impressed, Preston. I just like, <laughs> we'll have to do when your next book comes out, let's do that. Or let's do a couple of the other books down the road. Cause I think, I think people should be reading your stuff. I mean, you, you've gathered such, especially 300 cases on healing. I mean, that's incredible. That's like a, that's like a PhD. I mean, you should apply for a PhD for it. It's like incredible research, man. I just, I'm, I'm honored to, to get to talk to you. Wow. Hey, I feel likewise too. Yeah, I know you're doing great research. The music, I kind of picked up on that. I'm like, a lot of musicians having contact. Yeah. They're influential. They're doing yeah. good work for humanity. Yeah, because you did the one with musicians. The, yeah, you did the one over the concerts. I had the one with the con I actually put them down. There was there was quite a few. There was Ozzy Osbourne and there was a Springsteen and, and where the UFOs are over and U2. And, and you start looking and that's the thing is you see these patterns and you go, this can't be coincidence. There's no way. <laughs> right yeah very interesting wow well thank you very much Preston I I um, am honored to be able to talk to you and uh, let's do it again soon and if you do get a panel of uh, any of these people especially the school kids I'd love to do a panel sometime if you want to co-host a panel where we get these I think that would people would just be floored they had from this school this little kid was there and because uh, I'm telling you I missed this I, I knew a couple of them but when I heard that you had a hundred, I went, Oh, I got to talk to this guy. <laughs> I, I just am. I can't believe I missed all that. It was just like, I thought I knew what was going on and I was totally clueless. You mean incredible research. Incredible. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I missed it too. Just so you know, <laughs> I've been in this field for 35 years now and that sh shocked me. Yeah. I actually wept. <laughs> um, I, yeah. I think that would be even for a documentary, I could probably even get you. I'm always getting, getting offered these, Hollywood things. I think that would be one where 
uh, next time I talk to the producer, I'm going to say, why don't you do uh, something on uh, the school kids? Because I'm sure if they got, you know, your doc, your stuff and you led them, they could do a pretty good uh, Hollywood deal on, on these school cases, which people would just go like, wow, yeah. it's, it's impressive stuff. I it's just like, wow. I'm, thank you for doing it. I mean, that's, it's incredible. And I hope everybody just goes to Amazon, all your stuff's on Amazon. And are you in the bookstores? Can it, do you, is you, you're going through a publisher or are you self-publishing? Uh, I've done both. Okay. Um, worked with a bunch of different publishers. Uh, so uh, yeah, yeah. You can find myself in bookstores online, various online retailers. I have a website. I've got a YouTube channel. On Twitter, okay, give, Facebook, give me your, I, and your YouTube channel. We're going to promote all this stuff because you, 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 I mean, there's not many people who do as many books as you like there's Kevin Randall and there's uh, but he's doing different types of books. Your stuff is, is the stuff I think the average guy on the street should be reading because it's uh, you know, these case studies of very, very bizarre patterns and stuff like that, where, you know, a lot of people, if they're on the street really aren't too much into the, mj12 documents and all that kind of stuff you're doing the stuff that the people on the street should be looking at hey yeah i appreciate it i try to make it accessible uh, uh if you just use the search engine on, on my name that'll take you to my website that'll take you to my youtube channel and what kind uh, of stuff do you put on your youtube channel um, i'm kind of a just the facts kind of guy yeah. uh, i really just like to lay out these cases you know a lot of research i've done in my books i'm putting doing little videos on it yeah um so just i saw the one you did was really i mean you you got it down you must spend some time before you go on 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 tape because you seem to have it pretty spelled out as to the case i can't remember case i was watching you do but it was it was pretty impressive stuff yeah i like to get my facts straight it's all about the facts yeah <laughs> in terms of that i, I sometimes ask um you're a pretty young guy but i mean in terms of your material what, what do you do with your material because 500 years from now this the, your material my material is going to be historic stuff everybody's going to be looking like where were their files and stuff like that and i've collected like i got uh, wilbur smith's files from canada and i got stanton friedman's i'm working on i'm going back there next month or month after next to get more of his material to try to get his entire collection online where's your material have you set up where your material is going to go rice university is taking like whitley strebers and uh uh jack ballet uh paula harris clifford stone have you got stuff in case you suddenly plop over dead tomorrow where your material won't get thrown out into the garbage oh gosh <laughs> no, I I haven't. I mean, I've I've saved everything. You know, I've got it all protected and uh, organized, uh, but haven't really made any effort to contact a museum or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, but certainly, I probably should, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think yeah. you should record it. Even like that's what I tell experiencers. I say, have you written your story down? And they go, well, no, not really. I said, you should write it down for history for your kids, just to you know to save the material. So like there's there's the University of Manitoba where mine, there's a couple of collections there and they got a lot of spiritual collections, like 50 spiritual collections from famous uh, physical mediums and stuff. Then the one I think you would love if you ever go to to Sweden, the one where they have the 300 collections. I don't know if you've seen that one. It's like buildings and buildings and buildings of all these uh, UFO collections and stuff. And I was in there and I was doing a tour. I was taping as I was going through and then it was I'd stop and I go, 
I'm looking at this stuff and I start pulling stuff <laughs> off the shelf and then they go, come on, let's go. We gotta go. And it was just like amazing. A Rice University, you're, you're probably, Rice would probably take your stuff. I mean, arrange for it down the road because, you know, like Whitley's collection and Jacques Vallée's collection will be there and stuff because they have a religion uh, guy wrote the book, uh, um, The Flip, and he's a religion professor. And it was this idea that you get flipped the same as we do. And suddenly you're in the field and your life is turned upside down and you're suddenly chasing this paranormal phenomena. He book, wrote the book called The Flip. So I think he's behind this, getting these collections at Rice University. So it's documented because, you know, I would say that you and I would probably be, it's like the signing of the constitution. Like we lived at the time when, oh, these guys figured it out, man. Like where's their <laughs> files? How did they know this kind of stuff? And you're like me, I, I just basically try to put as much as I can online like even the Staten Friedman files, I, I have, it, have it so I can I can single click and someone wants the Staten Friedman files, I can just give you a link and you can go there and look at all the files and they're not sorted or anything. You have to go through them. But that kind of stuff is to document it and make sure it gets recorded for history because it's such interesting and important stuff that you just, so I'm not like a collector. I think you're the same sort of thing as you, you collect the stories, you get them right, you put them out because what, what, what does it help the world if you and I know and we don't tell anybody? Yeah, it's one of the things that bothered me about Bud Hopkins was he didn't put out more of his stuff. I mean, he, yeah. he was working hard. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, he was a true pioneer in this field. I think all of us are. This is still a very new field. And uh, yeah, this is, you're right. I have to start thinking about that. <laughs> because again, it's like, it's like you, like you go into these other collections and that's when you find your material. Like, wouldn't you love to be in, in Bud Hopkins files and go through Bud Hopkins files or you know, John Max files and, and, and see stuff. Cause that's what I said with Stanton's cause his is, it was 15 pallets. Um, they're going to take four to 10 years, four people to put this collection together. It's that big. It's just massive. It was this whole basement, it's garage is everything, yeah. stuff like that. And then you always, you always like you and me, I think we're the same sort of thing where you go in here and you're going like, uh, uh, first thing I went in there, I looked and I go, Where's the Cuban file? Because I knew he was involved in the Cuban, <laughs> the Cuban shoot down where the, where the Cuban jet dis disintegrates. I look for that file and you realize oh. that you and I have these things that you've had a confidence with somebody and you've got some sort of uh, material or an interview that you've never released. And you're looking in there in Stanton's files and saying, what did he didn't, didn't release? And you're going to find some interview. And then I found out he had audio taped majority of his phone calls. And so that's where I'm going back next. I'm going to try to get the audio tape of his phone calls that he audio taped all these phone calls and just imagine the, the people that he talked to that he never released or whatever. Or when I went there uh, and I'll, I'll leave it at this, I go there and they, they give me this photograph of a piece of the Roswell crash. So some guy had said he had a piece of Roswell crash. And he sent it to Stanton and they had it taped to a, to the, the letter in a little baggie. And I said to them, you better put that under lock and key, man. That thing's <laughs> going to disappear. And so now if you go there, you can look at this piece of that. And they, I don't think it was ever analyzed or anything, but it's this piece of the guy claimed it was from the Roswell and he sent it to Stanton. And um, you have to have an archivist now to look at it. Otherwise, I, and they apparently got about six different items like that now where they're under lock and key that you need an archivist to look at them because people are going to walk off of them. And that's the kind of stuff. Stan, I never heard Stan talk about that piece of metal, but it's in his collection. He just have, didn't have time to look at it. He didn't have time to analyze it, but it's in his collection. And that's so wow. these collections are, you know, have gold mines of stuff in there that people didn't uh, didn't ever mention and talk about and uh, fascinating stuff.
Yeah, amazing. Yeah. Barbara Lamb, she's another researcher. I'm like, you got to write a book, Barbara. Write a book. She, she did. Yeah. I'm so glad she has hundreds of cases. Yeah. Yvonne Smith, you know. Yeah, a lot of researchers are sitting on mountains of stuff. It's hard. Yeah. There's lots, and I'm still trying to push out all my cases. Yeah, yeah that's the thing. You don't have time. We, we don't have time to do it. Or, or you get like confidences. I try to stay away from it now where people say, I, I'm going to tell you something, but you can't tell anybody. I say, you tell me, I'm telling everybody. I just hate when people do that. Where they lock you into a, 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 a you know a, a secrecy thing, and it's like I have enough of that. You know, like you know, we if you want to keep it secret, well, then I don't want to know about it because it just drives me nuts. Where you got all these stories, and that's what I hope people will find. I've even got I don't know if you've got this. I got a living will thing with uh, Michael Hill, uh, Michael Hall, the lawyer, the paranormal lawyer, where I've got all these confidence stuff that over the years, and as soon as I die, it gets released. It's like, okay, well, confidence is over. And, uh, and then I said to Michael Hall, I said, so what happens if you die? Because it's actually, he's got, he's got the material and he's the lawyer and, he, and somebody can go to him and he can't release it because it's a client privilege and stuff like that. But I said, so what about you? What happens if you die first? I mean, what's going to happen to my material then? I mean, do you, are you going to make sure that it gets out? And so that's the kind of stuff where Michael Hall, and he said a lot of people, researchers come to him with this kind of stuff where they had some story that they were never allowed to tell or whatever. And they put it into this living will thing that when they die, this material gets out because it's uh, just, just so dramatic that they'd made an agreement. And I got stuck in a number of these agreements where I agreed not to talk about something. And then later on, I'm going, why did I make that stupid agreement? You know, these stories that people would just be floored if they knew what I had heard, you know, from, you know, people behind the scenes and, uh, yeah, I get it. Yeah, I've contacted by a lot of people who are like, please don't share this. But <laughs> it's always been my first intention to help people. You know, it's yeah. not about money or fame. Yeah, it really isn't. Uh, so I'm fine with that. But yeah, it's very frustrating. It's a tough, yeah, it's a tough. Great healing cases. I finally called this guy from England. I'm like, your healing case is great. Can I please include it in this latest book? <laughs> like, yeah, fine. Just don't use my name. Yeah. And then what you'll see, I don't know if you saw that, that there, you'd get these things where people didn't want to talk about it. And then finally you'd get them to do an interview and then they become like the Messiah. It's like, oh, <laughs> off they go, you know, you can't shut them up. Then. That's yeah. what people are afraid of. They're afraid of the ridicule. And when they go on and nobody pays any attention to it, then they realize like, no, I didn't get any ridicule. Or somebody says it was a great case and, and applauds them. Then suddenly the whole thing changes. Yep. Yep. See that all the time, eh? Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. It was a wonderful conversation, Preston. We went for a couple hours. I'll put on my podcast and we'll put it on the YouTube. I'll do all the linking I can and let's do it again sometime. And uh, hopefully you can join me on the Experiencer panel on the 25th, where I'm going to, uh, that's where my, the, the whole idea is that um, the government's going to make their disclosure, which is going to be a big nothing burger. And then we're going to do the disclosure on the same day where the experiencers are going to come and tell you what's actually going on. Because I think that's uh, the important thing is to give a voice to people who are actually talking to whatever the intelligence is. Yeah. Yeah. I hope to be there. It's on my calendar. I've got the link. Beautiful. So, yep. Beautiful. Yeah. Look, okay. Looking forward to it. Thank you, Preston. <laughs> Let's do it again. I appreciate it. You got it. Yeah. Thank you. That's this week's episode of the Paranormal UFO Consciousness Podcast. I'm your host, Grant Cameron, hoping that you will join me for upcoming episodes. Links to my YouTube interviews, books, 
and my Facebook sites are in the show notes. If you love the podcast or learn something valuable, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, or give a review on today's episode. If you would like a certain paranormal subject dealt with in the future, please let us know. Until next time, watch this space, and thank you so much for listening.